All right, we are continuing our series called The Joy of the Lord, and we are on part four, and this series is based on Nehemiah 8.10. And in Nehemiah 8.10, here's what it says. It says, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. So how did they get to joy? We're going to talk about that more next week. How did they get there? What was the the prophet's suggestion as to how do you get to this place of joy? Eat up, drink up, and have fun together. That was that was the sacred holy thing that they did. Isn't that interesting? We'll talk about that next week. It says, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I want Jesus to be strong. Amen? I want Jesus to be strong. Who are the hands and feet of Jesus? We are. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, then we want Jesus to be strong. We need the joy of the Lord because we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? If we can't represent Jesus effectively, because who else is going to other than the believers, right? I mean, have you ever thought, well, this, this needs to be better. Well, who's going to do that? That's us. Who, who else is going to do it? You know, we're going to, you're going to expect the Supreme Court to make this a Christian nation? That's not going to happen. It's going to happen at, at the individual level, people submitting their lives to Christ, walking with Him, and that light going from person to person. It's the way it's going to work. And so, we need to have the joy of the Lord in our hearts. We need to show the joy of the Lord because that makes Jesus strong. What about the, uh, the judgmental and grumpy of the Lord? Does that make Jesus strong? How many people have thought, yeah, I want to be a Christian. They're judgmental and grumpy. They can find a reason why everything is a sin. That does not make Jesus strong, does it? That pushes people away. That makes them, I mean, I say this. You forgive me, right? You're nice people. I say this and I say, there's enough weird stuff in here we better not be adding stuff to it and messing this all up. Right? Why are we putting more ick? You know, or why are we putting ick in? There's enough things that are misunderstood and difficult things to get people to see. Let's not add grumpy. You know, let's not add judgmental. Let's not add that. We add the joy of the Lord. Then Jesus is strong. We got four goals for this series. Four goals. The first one, is I want you to have permission to seek joy, the joy of the Lord, as part of your calling in Christ. It is part of your responsibility as a Christian to seek fullness of joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. How many people have ever thought, well, if it's fun, it must be a sin. If I like it, it must be something I shouldn't do. That is a lie, absolute, complete, total lie. We should have the joy of the Lord. We should be living abundant life. This is what Christianity is. Now, so have permission to seek joy. Number two is wisdom. Goal number two is wisdom to know the difference between the joy of the Lord and the joy of the world. People say you can't buy happiness, right? But I tell you, you can buy fun. Right? You can buy fun. And that feels like happiness. 
But then it fades, and you've got to buy it again. There are a lot of counterfeits to the joy of the Lord that we seek after. We need the wisdom to tell the difference. Then, the third goal is we want to actually get the joy of the Lord. Because who cares if you're sitting there and Pastor Mike is like, you better have joy! And you're like, oh, I don't have joy! And now I feel guilty because he yelled at me. That doesn't help us, does it? Adding guilt to a lack of joy, does, I mean, that's been the strategy for the church, I think, for hundreds of years. Whatever the problem, add guilt. It just hasn't gotten us very far, has it? No, let's add faith. <laughs> let's do that instead. That'd be way better. So, goal number three, actually get to the joy of the Lord. We're going to talk about that in a deeper way today, how we get there. And then next week again, what is that going to look like? And then number four, goal number four is to have the strength that comes from that joy. You know, you can walk through a lot of difficulties in life if you got something good on the inside. The outside can be rough. If you got something good on the inside, you can make it through. Amen? Amen. I always ruin special moments with jokes. You want me to ruin a special moment with a joke? This sounds like it's going to be a spiritual thing, but it's just a joke. Yeah? I heard this said one time. If you can keep your head when all those around you are panicking, you probably don't understand the situation. <laughs> nah. Amen. All right. So last week, last week we talked about, we kind of, we've been talking about the, the nation of Israel and how they were slaves in Egypt and then they got to, uh, they got to freedom and they were going to go to the promised land, but they're big scary giants, so they didn't go, so they went in the desert and then they all, that generation all died and then they did finally go and conquer the giants and hang out in the promised land. But then after a while, that all fell apart and they got exiled. And that's the very, very simple history of Israel. And then it's Nehemiah. And he comes back. So last week we talked about if you want to get to the promised land, we'll call the joy of the Lord the promised land. We want to get there, right? The joy of the Lord is not Egypt. The joy of the Lord is not slavery. And Jesus came to set us free from sin and Slavery to sin is talked about in the Scriptures. That is the primary symbolism of Egypt is slavery to sin. Bondage to these icky things of the world. We just we wake up and we realize we're held down by things. We've got this stuff that's chained us up. We're caught in it. But we need to get free from that, don't we? We need to get out of that bondage. We need to get... Free from sin. We talked about three ways of getting free from sin last week. You get free, of course, from the sins of your past. You get forgiven, set free. Now you're a child of God. Um, then you get set free from your future sins. You don't have to keep sinning. That whole thing of, well, we all sin thousands of times. Every, that's not in the Bible. That's just failure forgiveness, failure forgiveness, failure forgiveness. Yeah, you're saved, but you're just a forgiven slave. You never get out of the bondage to sin. You're never going to get to the joy of the Lord. You're just going to have the same problems over and over again, your marriage is going to be bad. Your your uh, vocational life is going to be bad. You're just going to have those same problems happening over and over again. You're just stuck. 
That's not the joy of the Lord. That's just a mess. I'm glad you're going to heaven. You can go to heaven and get out of that garbage. So, woohoo! I'm set free from the sins of the future. Then, oh, we talked about being set free from the sins that have been committed against you. That can be more powerful than either one of those two as far as affecting your life. Get conformed to the pattern of this world. The sins and the yuck that hit us shape us and mold us and we need to not be conformed to that but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So, set free from sin in those three ways. Come on. We're just getting started now. Now you got the giants. Now you got giants. The thing with, with the stuff in Egypt is it's already got a hold of you. you got nothing to do with it. Giants are things in your life you have to go get. The nation of Israel, the giants were sitting there. The giants didn't chase them down. They had to go chase down the giants. They had to go get them. There's stuff in our life, in order to get to the promised land, we're going to have to go get it. We're going to have to be active and we're going to have to take it. It's not just going to happen automatically. Uh, the, the story I used to illustrate that was, Hi, I'm Pastor Mike from Good Hope Church in Cloquet. How did I get here? In 1998, my wife finally relented and said, You can become a pastor. And I said, Great! But I'm driving a bread truck, working 65 hours a week, and I don't have any schooling in that. So I decided I'd take correspondence classes. But I had to go to school. I mean, I had to do my work, my schoolwork, from 3.30 in the morning till 5, because after work I was tired, and I'd lay on the floor. And I didn't get anything done. I just laid there. And, yeah, it was it was good. I laid there. The kids crawled on me. They were little. They thought that was great. It was good quality time. Um but I did that for 18 months. Got up at 3.30, did my correspondence classes. Old Testament survey took me six months. Blah, you know, it was awesome. But now I know about Nehemiah, so that's good. And uh, I had to go get that. If I hadn't gone to go get that, I wouldn't be here. I'm glad to be here. This is awesome. We're having fun, aren't we? Woo! This is fun. So I don't know what God's called you to do, but there's things you're going to have to go get. If He's called you to start a business, you're going to have to go get that. It's not going to come to you. If He's called you to, to get a degree, you're going to have to go get it. If he, whatever He's called you to do, there's, there's things you're going to have to just go get. And those will look like giants. They're going to be hard to conquer, but keep at it and you'll make it through. Amen? Faith will get you to the promised land. And then that is where the fruit grows. Is in the promised land. The fruit of the Spirit grows. But you got to hang out there for a while for the fruit to grow. I planted beans. They're coming up. They're inside. Planted beans inside. I'm figuring it's probably going to snow a couple more times. So, <laughs> I planted my beans inside. They're coming up. They're looking happy. But I'm not going to pick beans this afternoon, am I? Sometimes going to have to pass. The fruit of the Spirit is not just going to bang happen in 15 seconds. Forgiveness happens instantaneously. You need to be forgiven of your sins. We can take care of that before you leave this place. But the fruit of the Spirit, the joy of the Lord, that's stuff you got to work into. you got to grow into. you got to have that fruit come forth and it's going to take some time. This week,
I better hurry. I'm having fun though. Alright. The promised land is not just an individual thing. It's a group thing. Did you know that the nation of Israel conquered the giants and took the land? Not one guy. If one guy could have done it, Caleb and Joshua would have taken the land 40 years before. This is a group thing. The Lord Jesus has opened His arms to all kinds of people. Amen? How about messed up people? Is it, are His arms open to messed up people? Absolutely. Broken people. Depressed people. People who have a tendency to harm others. Yeah! So His arms are open and then what happens? People are like, oh, Jesus loves me. And they come in. And then, they're all right next to each other. Here is the next challenge. Right? This is a group thing. And we got a whole bunch of forgiven slaves that are stuck in that failure and forgiveness loop. We got people who have ran from their giants 30 years ago and they're living a life they shouldn't even be living and they're depressed. And then, and then you, get, you put them all together in the same place. And then they start bumping into one another. You start running into some issues and some problems. How are we going to manage that and actually get it to work? Because this is a group thing. What condition is the holy city in? When we look at the promised land, I don't think the slaves in Egypt could even see the promised land. They just were too busy dealing with the Egyptians that were beating the tar out of them day after day. The cowards over here, though, they saw it. They were scared to go in. How about Nehemiah? What did he see? He saw the land they used to be in, that they were exiled from. He saw the city of Jerusalem with the walls all broken down, all the beautiful gates burned with fire, and the people that were scattered and hanging out there still were in constant danger. He looked at the promised land and he saw that. I think that's a lot of what the promised land looks like now. I mean, it's the holy city's in trouble. But we need some rebuilding to happen. We need some strength to come back into that thing. That's what it looks like. Jesus came, He opened His arms, brought us all in. What do we do about the fact that the holy city We'll call the promised land, the place where the joy of the Lord is, the kingdom of God, the body of Christ. It's full of all these messed up people, forgiven slaves and cowards that have ran from God. And What do we do about that? I'm going to give you the easy answer. Okay? Here's the easy answer. All these messed up people in there, what do you do? You help them. Okay? Help them. That is the, that, if you just learn one thing today, <laughs> okay, there's messed up people, you help them. You will be tempted to respond in other ways. You will be tempted to hate them. You will be tempted to blame them. You will be tempted 
to separate yourself from them and divide from them. But the calling of God is for you to help them. They're broken. They need help. And the big secret is you and I are one of them. So we need people to help us. How do we do that? Ooh. I got a happy scripture. You ready for a happy scripture? Come on, John 15.11. Happy scripture. We're just getting started. John 15.11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is Jesus who is speaking here. He told them something. And the reason He told them was so that His joy, the joy of the Lord, would be in them and that their joy, their personal and corporate joy, would be complete, would be full, would be crammed is the literal translation of complete. Completely full. He wants that joy to happen, so how do we get it? Let's read the next verse. What did He say that we need to do? My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. How many people have heard of a personal relationship with Jesus? Amen? We should have a personal relationship with Jesus. Is He the only one we're supposed to have a relationship with if we're following Him? No, we're supposed to love other people. This is not just between me and Jesus. Because Jesus told me to love each other. That's those other people. That's those people in the holy city that are all messed up. Supposed to love them? No! And how? How am I supposed to love them? As I have loved you, Jesus said. How has Jesus loved you? Oh, man. Has Jesus loved me in such a way that if the tables were turned, I would be very mad at Him? You know what I mean? Like, have I done things to the Lord and to His purposes, to His plan, that if the tables were turned, the response would be different. He has loved me when I denied Him. I mean, me personally. I didn't grow up as a Christian. I thought Christians were fools. I made fun of them. He loved me when I made fun of people for their belief system. He loved me when I talked people out of their belief system. And He opened His arms to me after that. Isn't that amazing? He loves us a lot. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, before you take that on as a heavy responsibility, think, what if we actually all did that? What if you could sit in a room with a hundred people and they all loved you like Jesus loved you. They all actually cared. When they said, how you doing? They actually cared. It wasn't like, oh, one word. I'm looking for one word. Okay, fine is all I want. What are you, what are you talking to me for? I said, how you doing? It's just natural. It's convention. That's what you're supposed to, you know. What if people actually cared and they actually loved you and actually helped you 
instead of pulling away when they see something not quite right? What if we loved each other like Jesus loved us? We'd be in the promised land. We would be in that place of joy. We would be in that place where where His joy is in us and our joy is full. You ever had a group of really good friends? Imagine a big group of people that love you like Jesus does. Oh, man. Promised land is beautiful. Promised land is beautiful. I'm not so sure we can pull that off. <laughs> but we gotta, we gotta try, right? We gotta get mature. We're not all mature, but we gotta try to get there. Now, Jesus talks about what to do when the people around us are messed up. Did you know that? He talks about that. What do you do when the people around you are messed up? We find that in Matthew chapter 7. Start in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 5. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I love that. you got a plank in your eye. King James is beam. New King James is log. This is a big thing in your eye. Something that obviously won't fit in your eye. I mean, he's talking about something big. A plank in your eye. Let's keep going. Verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye while all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Jesus, that's our nice happy Jesus with His arms open loving everybody. Jesus, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. So what's the first thing you do when you notice something wrong with somebody else? You deal with you. Because if they actually need help, you got to be in a condition to help them. And if you're not in the condition to help them, you're not going to do them any good. You're just going to hit them with your plank. Have you ever been hit with somebody else's plank? you got your own problems. Now some wonderful saint comes and whacks you with their plank. Now you got a speck of sawdust in your eye and you got a bruise too. You think that's funny. That's... <laughs> That's like the most tragic thing. I mean, come on. How many people have been hurting and needing God so they come into a group of people that they hear care about God and they show up and something bad happens to them? That's the most tragic thing ever. We're the light of the world. When the light of the world whacks you with a beam, that's not good. Alright. Where am I at? Matthew 7. Very good. Okay. So Jesus is not, acknowledges that others are messed up, but the thir- first thing we do is look at ourselves. What if everybody did that? What if when somebody, anybody, noticed something wrong with somebody else, if the first response was, okay, well, I better look at myself then. What if everybody did that? That would be great, wouldn't it? There'd be a lot less people getting whacked with beams. That would be great. Now, 
what Jesus didn't say to do. He did say, take the beam out of your eye. What didn't He say? He didn't say, make a religious fail blog of all the specs and roll it and laugh at them. He didn't say that. You ever done that? Let's talk about what's wrong with everybody else. Man, are they messed up. Let's all talk about it. Let's bask in it. No, he's to take the plank out of your eye. Don't talk about what other people are messed up in. How about hate everyone with a speck and push them away? Create divisions, factions, blame and attack? He did not say to do that. That's all, that's all plank. That's all plank. When I'm, when we blame others for being messed up, we're just whacking them with our plank. We are called to help them. They've already got problems. We've noticed that. Our response should be to help them, not to whack them with our plank. All right. Why plank and speck? Why is Jesus talking about planks and specks? Well, one thing, uh, fascination with other people's speck of sawdust is a plank. You know what I mean? If, if you're... if if you're already noticing all the things wrong with other people, you got an issue. Right? That's a plank in your eye. You can't see clearly. You can't help people because you're fascinated with their faults. It's a character issue that needs to be dealt with. That's a plank that needs to be taken out. Also, you have a plank worth of responsibility for dealing with you. And you have a speck worth of responsibility for helping others. So, deal with your plank and then you'll see clearly to help with the speck. And then, of course, if you don't fix you, you actually can't help them. They need help. You get a plank in your eye. If you're actually trying to help, you're just going to whack them anyway. Alright. So Paul deals with this in Romans. Romans 14 and 15. We're going to fly through this. It's a beautiful day out there. Man, i got to get out there. Romans 14. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. <laughs> okay. So, who's got the wake, the weak, the weak faith? The weak feet? I'm getting this all messed up. So, are you a person of strong faith or of weak faith? If you're of strong faith, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to accept those who are weaker than you without getting all hung up on little things. Right? That's what it says. Disputable matters like what you eat. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Keep going. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? So, two things. First, should you eat fish on Friday during Lent? Well, if you feel like you shouldn't, then don't. The next one, who are you to judge someone else's servant? If someone doesn't eat fish on 
Friday during Lent, whose servant are they? Not yours. Not yours. They are a servant of the living God if they are serving the living God. And if they're doing the best they can, and part of the best they can is eating fish on Friday during Lent, then hallelujah, they're doing that as unto the Lord. Praise God for that. I'm not going to go over there and hit them with a plank. Right? right. To his own master he stands or falls. I love the next part of that. Look at that. And he will stand. For the Lord is able to make him stand. I don't stand on my own strength, neither do you. But hallelujah, we serve a God who makes us stand. He will get us through. We will stand before Him and He will judge us and we won't be able to stand, but He will make us stand. Hallelujah. That's good news. Let's skip to verse 13. So Paul's talking about all this stuff in Romans 14 and 15. Verse 13, he says, Therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another. So, if you're busy passing judgment on other people, this will tell you the other thing you should be doing. So just stop doing that. Here's what you should be doing instead. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Get out of the way. In other words, help them. Don't put an obstacle in their way. Try to help clear their path. Help them. If they need help, and you know it, Help them. We're going to look through the next little section real quick. Starting in verse 14, there's two words I want you to look for. The word destroy and the word joy. What is this talking about being destroyed? And then let's see the word joy. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. So if you don't think you should eat fish on Friday, for you, you shouldn't eat fish on Friday. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. So if your friend gets messed up because you eat meat on Friday, quit eating meat on Friday. Because that's whacking them with your plank. Who would have thought that would be in the Bible, huh? There you go. You're just being nice. You're trying to help people out. You're not putting a stumbling block in their way. Now, if they ask you about it, you can give your opinion, right? But if they don't ask, don't hit them with your plank. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother. Destroy is a strong word. Do not because of your freedom, because you know it's no big deal, harm destroy your brother for whom Christ died. We should care about them more than that. We should help them. Verse 16. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What is the kingdom about? Fish on Friday. No, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We don't want to trump anything with that. Verse 18. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. I want to be pleasing to God. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. 
verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Could you destroy the work of God? Think that's possible? Do you have that power? If you hit somebody with your plank, you just might. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food or whatever your thing is. All food is clean, but it is wrong for man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. I'm going to invite the prayer team forward. Man, am I going long. Alright, you better hurry, prayer team. you got to pray quick. I used up all your time. Romans 15, 1 and 2. What does it mean to be strong? What does it mean to be strong? If we are strong, great. If So, Trinette's sister is doing well. So, yeah. So, that's good. She's talking and everything. So, that's real good. She hasn't talked since yesterday. So, sweet. Um, okay, there's this thing up here. Romans 15, 1 and 2. We who are strong, what does it mean to be strong? I believe it means that we will have the fruit of the Spirit. Right? We will have love. We will have joy. We will have peace. We'll have the other ones listed in Galatians 5, 22 which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we have those things, we are strong. And so if we are strong, we ought to do what? Bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. So rather than smashing them with our plank, we love them, we help them. Each of us should please his neighbor for his own good to build him up. We help them. There's one more verse I want to read today. Romans 15.14 Romans 15.14 I read this this morning. I couldn't keep my eyes off of it. Paul saw something in the church at Rome. He saw something in those people. He didn't just yell at them and tell them to do things differently. Look what he saw. Romans 15.14 Paul says, I am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Complete in knowledge, that's that same word for your joy will be complete. It means crammed. Like, so much knowledge is stuffed in there. I am convinced that you are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. He's saying, you guys are there. You're ready to do this. You can actually get there and you can help each other. You can actually get there and love each other as Christ has loved you. I see it in you. You can do it. What do we have here? Man, I see something special here too. Amen? I think we can do it. I think God's doing something. 
I think we can love each other. I think when we see a speck in somebody's eye, we can think, okay, am I able to actually help? I better look at myself and see. Okay. Yeah, I still love them, even though I see the speck. I still have joy. I'm not all thrown by this. And then we can come and help. I think it can happen. You think it can happen? Come on. If that happens, we can access the joy of the Lord. And we can get to that place of strength. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are so good. Your plan is so great. Oh Lord, we need to be free. We need to conquer giants. But Lord, that promised land is looking good. It is looking good. Lord, help us to look at ourselves and see where we're at. Lord, to get those planks out, because all of us, we're in a, we're in process. You know, we're bound in certain ways even though we're free. We're afraid even though we're more than conquerors. We got victory in some areas and we need help in others. We've all got specks in our eyes and but Lord, we want to be able to see. We want to be able to help each other. We want to be able to be helped. Show us where we're at. I pray if there's anybody in here that does not know You as Lord and Savior, Lord, that like we said earlier, that can be solved right now. The prayer team is here. If you don't know how to do that, they'll pray with you. They'll get you through. But Lord, help us to walk in Your ways. Because we see what comes of it. We see there's joy. We see there's strength. We see there's fruit for Your kingdom. Let us walk in Your ways. Father, I pray a blessing over each one in this place. Let Your light shine in our hearts. Let Your joy be in there. Let Your love be in there. And let it come out. Bless us, Lord. Encourage us. Let us walk in Your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.